Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. You often hear of leaders who are, I'm doing air quotes right now, committed to their values or here's another set of air quotes, willing to make the tough choices. But it's one thing to say that and another thing to really do it. Like when it really comes down to it and you have something that seems to be working, but you know it's not aligned with what you really set out to do, do you as a leader have the guts to stop everything, risk everything, reset and move forward? This story is for those who have that courage. You will be validated. And for those who need that courage, you will be inspired. Let's get to it. Today's success story is Pyle Kadakia. Pyle is the definition of a disruptor. With her $1 billion company ClassPass, she upended the fitness industry on a simple premise. Instead of paying for access to one gym, pay a monthly fee and drop into classes of all sorts. The class pass story began in 2011 when Pyle, an MIT grad and avid dancer, spent over an hour searching online for an open ballet class in New York City. There, an idea was born. Pyle, welcome to Success. We're so excited to hear your story. Thanks so much for having me, Kendra. So let's go... This is where I want to go back to that last sentence in the introduction, because I, I think this is, it just gives me the chills to think about it. Um, there an idea was born. So, so you were, you were obviously at MIT. I know that you have, you have a numbers, economics, brain, but you're also, you're a dancer. So tell me about, tell me about that day when this idea was born. So it started, I would say from my youth in the sense of, you know, I have always loved to dance. This idea of having a passion in your life became this thing for me that gave me confidence. It gave me identity. And I just fought for it my entire life. I was that girl, you know, asking people to come to my dance show when I was, you know, 25 years old and everyone was working. I'd invite my entire office to my dance performances. And people were like, who is this girl? What is she doing? But I held on to my passion. And, you know, fast forward a few more years, I was sitting at my desk, I was working actually in the music industry at the time, and I wanted to go look for a ballet class to take. I was studying ballet at the time, you know, after work, I would kind of have my ballet shoes with me and I would run and go to class and I wanted to try something new. So I ended up opening my computer, I'm on like 10 different websites, I can't find which class to go to, I don't know if it's right for me. An hour goes by and I look at my, you know, my, the time and I'm like, oh my God, all these classes are over because I've wasted all this time <laughs> looking at the screen. And that's when I realized if I really wanted to help people stay passionate, stay connected to their hobbies and the things that they love in their life, that I needed to build a website. And at that time, there were these amazing products out there like OpenTable and right. like Web and, you know, this entire uh, sort of ecosystem of what people call offline to online models. And so I started thinking, wait, what if I did this for classes, you know, and make sure, made sure that every single class in the universe was sort of in one place so people could access them. So that was the epiphany. That was the moment, obviously so much has changed since, but since, but that was the moment that really inspired me to start this company. 
So let me, there, there's a few things I want to ask um, about what you just said right there. And I have to, so I am a, a loyalist, you'll, you'll say. So like, that's my, like, I, I, I go to the one place, but it's so funny because right before, and I should say to our audience, we're recording this in June of 2020. So we are still in a pandemic. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about pivoting. Um, you seem to, you seem to be very good at pivoting. Um, but right before the, the pandemic, I was thinking to myself, you know what, Kendra, you need a little bit of variety in your workouts. You yep. heard about this thing, class pass. Um, and I like to stick with what I, I don't like to try new things. I like to be good at the thing that I'm doing. So I just go to the same place, but you know, like I, I knew I needed some variety. So I was just about to start and then fitness studio shut down. That's a different story altogether. I do have a question for you. You said that this started yeah, I know you've been dancing your whole life. So let me ask you, was there ever a moment in your life where you thought that to pursue your passion, you had to become a professional ballerina or a professional dancer? Was that ever on your mind? Well, so what was so hard is I studied Indian dance, okay? So yeah. by the way, like there is no place where... Indian dance was taught in my, like, you know, where I grew up or anything. I mean, I learned to dance in basements from my mom's best friend. Like that was how oh. I learned to dance. So there was never any organized way of introducing anyone to Indian dance. And actually the first company I built, um, even right before class pass was my dance company. And the reason I started building that was because I felt like there was no professional platform for Indian dance because I was that girl when I was at MIT. And if I wanted to pursue dance, you know, I would be looking up sort of dance programs at like NYU Tisch or, you know, places like that. But I had to have studied ballet my whole life. And actually, I hadn't studied ballet my whole life, which is why I was training in it a little bit later in my life, because I had studied Indian classical and folk dance, which was something that wasn't, you know, here in the US. But in India, I mean, it takes, you know, 15, 20 years to become a professional in any of those, in any of those fields. Yeah. So, so I want to, I want to ask about this too, because I feel like, I feel like there's, and you've done this now multiple times as you've just shared, people have ideas, right? They think, oh, there, there's a better way to do this. There's, oh, there isn't Indian dance anywhere. And, and I think a lot of people would say, huh, well, I guess there just isn't Indian dance anywhere, but right. you, there's something in you that then says the next step is, so I better create it. Can you, so what is that, where does that come from? What does that look like? How, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I would say, I think that really comes from my mom in the sense of, you know, she, you know, both my parents immigrated here in the seventies, right. They, you know, raised me and my sister in a town where, you know, people didn't understand who they were. We were the only Indian family. They had to learn all these new ways of life that were so foreign to them. But my mom was never scared. She just would sort of approach every situation. You know, there were times where people didn't understand her because of her accent. She didn't care. She just kept speaking, mm -hmm. kept making sure it happened. And I think because I saw her lead like that, I knew that when, you know, a problem existed in the world or um, some change needed to happen, that I could do it myself, you know? And I think that mentality is really what stuck with me my entire life. And, you know, I think this is so important for people to learn is that idea of getting things done right? So when you have an idea, it could be small, just get it done. It will give you confidence to do something bigger. I always say like, I can't, I couldn't have started class fast 
if I hadn't built my dance company because my dance company taught me how to sort of do small things. And, you know, I put on a small show, then I put on a little bigger show in New York City, and then I put on a really big show in New York City. And all of that momentum made me feel like I could keep reaching for the stars. And it was really about me believing in myself by my experiences and by doing in my past. I think that is, that is gold right there because it's really easy, right? I think you were deemed, class pass was deemed the first unicorn of 2020, right? I think I saw that, um, and of the century. I mean, that was, that was yeah. January. Everything's different now. <laughs> that, that, everything's yeah, different now, <laughs> but, but people can see, people see that and think, well, I can never start a billion dollar, you know, a billion dollar enterprise or a multi-billion dollar enterprise forgetting that it started with a dance studio. So, I mean, so literally, yeah. exactly. It started with a really small, like my experience as a leader, as an entrepreneur, started with putting on a small show at a studio in New York City with 100 people. And after that, you know, I put on a bigger show. And then after that, I, I, I decided that I wanted to build a tech platform. You know, it's, it's, it's the small seeds that lead to the bigger, bigger thing at the end. So tell me a little bit about then. So back all the way back to that, that's when an idea was born. Now we know that this was, you know, on the path to, you know, smaller, bigger, bigger ideas. What did those next... What did those next couple of days look like or the next couple of weeks? You, you have the epiphany because I think this is where it breaks down for people. Yeah. They're like, I have the epiphany and, and now what do I do? So what we're actually, do you remember where you were when you were looking for all of those classes? Were you like yeah, on your I phone? Were you- no, I was sitting at my desk working at, I was working at Warner Music Group and I was sitting at my desk and, you know, the class was that evening and I started thinking about this idea and I think I started texting people, my friends, and um, just getting feedback, right? Whenever I have an idea, I've always surrounded myself by like, you know, ambitious, inspiring people. So my friends are like my role models. And so I just kind of started, you know, asking them like, hey, like, you know, would you use this if it existed? Um, I also had worked at a consulting firm before that. So I kind of like was armed with like this ability to sort of like ask sort of customer research type questions to my friends. So I kind of started like really doing some analysis of like what happened in the market for classes, like what is out there. I started doing research on the other models that existed that were in other industries, but in similar capabilities. And little by little, what started happening was I had friends who, um, who literally were, you know, handing me checks. Like they were like, Kyle, like you're so driven. You're like, obviously smart. You're passionate about this. Like if anyone's going to figure this out, it's you. So they started being like, hey, here's like $10,000, here's $20,000. I hadn't quit my job yet though. So I was still working, okay? And I think this is like an important phase because by the way, this is August, right? When I had um, the idea for the company, I didn't quit until January, right? So in those okay. six months, what I was doing is I was sort of prototyping ideas in my head. I remember thinking, oh my God, what's the name of the company? It was not Class Pass. It, was, it started with Dabble NYC. That was the name of the company in the beginning. Really? Uh, yeah, it was called Dabble NYC because I, you know, I thought it'd be this like, experience hub of classes. And um, I started working with a, a designer on creating some like homepage sketches. And I was just basically doing this sort of on the side, right? It wasn't anything I was fully committed to. Uh, little by little, I started realizing that I was very bored in my day job. And I think this is another problem a lot of people have. I, I felt like I was living two identities. Like I had this like job where I went to at work where I wasn't excited. And then like at night I was like this like 
dancer, entrepreneur, creative person. And it just felt like I was completely two different people. Uh, and I remember that Thanksgiving, which was like another pivotal conversation for me. I was home and I was telling my parents that, you know, I just didn't want to go back to work on Monday. I didn't know that I was fully going to commit to building this company yet, but my mom looked at me and by the way, she is somebody who, you know, once again, had immigrated here, wanted me and my sister to have stable careers, like no way of taking risks. And she told me to quit. And she was like, I think you should quit. She was like, I believe in you. Like you've proven, like proven and checked every single box that there is out there. I had gone to a good school. I had gotten a great career. And she was like, this is the time if you're going to do it, go bet on yourself and build something. And so I, you know, finally, after like a few days of thinking about that, I mustered up the courage to quit my job, which was a very hard, you know, thing for anyone to do. And I always think back to that day and I think you're just more scared of not knowing what's on the other side. Right. And the most amazing thing about that day, well, it was, there was two things. One is I remember I sent an email out to everyone, you know, I'd worked with at my company saying like, I'm leaving. And they, one of, one of the, um, the executives at the company, uh, Michael Fleischer, he called me to his office. He was the vice chairman of the entire uh, company. And he wanted to hear my idea. I told him about it. He wrote me a check on the spot. So on the day I quit my job, I walked out with Wait. money. Yeah. Which Wait, was- yeah. I wanted to be sure. Let's clear. So you were going into quit and he gave you money. Yes, exactly. Also, well, I was quitting that day, but he, you know, I had written an email to all these executives and he was, you know, he had seen me in a few meetings and he was like, I'd love to hear about what you're working on, your ideas. Like this was also, by the way, the time when entrepreneurship was just becoming, uh, not even actually just becoming a thing. I didn't know anyone who was an entrepreneur. So right. it was a small group of people who I think were investing in sort of new ideas and new ways of thinking. And so I told him about what I wanted to build. And he was like, I think this is a great idea and I'd love to be an investor. And I remember just thinking to myself, like I walked to work today with so much fear and I walked out with, with like doors open, you know, and that sort of, uh, thinking for me and like that mindset just shifted the way I think I approached fear and these blocks in my life forever is that I knew that there was more on the other side. Mm. I just had to get through that door as hard as it was going to be to open, you know? And I think that sort of mentality I started living with. The other thing that was so interesting about that day is Um, you know, I had worked with so many incredible people in my day to day, you know, in my group. I mean, I was one of the most junior people in my, in my department at the time. And I obviously want to go say my goodbyes and, you know, half the people were like, let me know how I can support you. And it was really sweet. And the other half of the people looked at me with pure jealousy because they were inside thinking, why didn't I have the guts to do this? Right? Like they were kind of 15, 20 years older than me, but they were looking at me being able to, you know, sort of kind of looking at themselves saying, wow, like I wish I had the courage to do what this girl is doing. And, you know, so it was, this is interesting mindset where I realized that, that I had a lot of power and that I had a lot of, you know, courage to do that. And that was what was going to help me through the rest of my journey. And I, I love what you said. So, so I'd be interested now looking back, you know, in hindsight, there's, I feel like there's a, um, two schools of thought. One is when you, when you have this idea, when you have this passion, when you know, like you're kind of onto something, you're in that it's best to quit the job that you're in. So you can devote all of your energy to building this other thing. There's another school of thought that says, wait, get some, you know, get some ground under your feet, get some more experience under your belt. So you had that period between August and then it was January. Is that right? So January, 
looking back, knowing what you know now, what do you think about those six months? Was that the right thing to do? Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I think you need to make sure you're financially stable, right? So I had six years of savings that I knew I could use to get through the time of building my company. My, My dad and I sat down and I remember coming up with a budget and saying, you know what, like I could live off of what I had saved for three years, you know? And so I gave myself enough runway to go and build something. And I think that's really important because people forget if, especially when you're building a company, it's like an infant, it's a baby. It's a, it needs full attention, 100, you know, 100% of your time. And if you're focused on, oh my God, I need to go get money for food or I need to go find somewhere to live or, you know, it just takes away from your ability to focus on the problems that are at hand in your business. So that was really important to me. And I sort of, you know, that six months was a great time for me to just sort of get myself into a place where I was like mentally ready. I was financially ready, you know, and I was emotionally ready to make the plunge. And I think people sort of forget that it's all of, all of those things combined with, is this a big enough idea to quit my job, job for too? And is it, do I have enough ready? Right. I think people also need to do the research. Not every bit, not every business is a full on like business that you need to focus on hundred percent. Some things work as a side hustle, you know? And I think like, especially today, I think we're in the world of side hustles and I think people just have to know what is it, right? And what do you want from this? I knew I wanted to build a huge company. So it wasn't something that was going to be done with like five hours on the side. I had built my entire dance company in the evening and that was fine. And that worked for a good three years, yeah. but that wasn't going to work for what I was going to build with ClassPass. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a good, I love getting that, that, that those different kernels of insight because it is, it's so easy to think, oh, well, I'm going to, without realizing like how ridiculous and measured that decision was. Something that I know just from following you and, and, and listening to you, and I, I think people talk about that a lot, and you, you mentioned it here, is, met, is matching your passion with your business, like creating a business that also, you know, enhances or is a part of your passion. However, I think that often, again, that kind of can become like really pie in the sky talk like, Oh, I'm so passionate about. And, and I know you have made some, some tough choices in the progression of your business to keep, to make sure that your, that your, your business approach is aligned with the passion, like measuring it against the passion. Can you speak a little bit to that, like passion business, um, connection for you? Yeah. And I think, you know, the word that comes to mind for me is having a mission, right. As a company. And when I started the company and I had that idea that day and I was sitting at my desk, what made me feel so excited about doing this was getting people to have what I had in dance my whole life in their life. And it may not be dance in everyone's life, right? It could be anything. But I think it was this cause that I knew I wanted to fight for because dance had brought me so much in my life, right? It made me everything that I was. And I wanted other people to sort of stop feeling like they had to let go of these things and these passions and these hobbies. So for me, the outcome of my, of what I had started on was very clear. It was people going to class. Right. And so for me, any decision in the company that took me away from that was the wrong decision. And anything that led me closer to that was the right decision. And this is really like, to me, why it's so important for companies and founders and entrepreneurs to have a problem they want to solve, but have a vision of what it's going to look like when they solve it. Mm-hmm. People forget that, right? It's very easy to say, oh, I want to build a billion dollar company. 
I'm very honored that I built a billion dollar company, but that's not what matters to me. What matters to me more is that there's been a hundred million reservations that were facilitated on my website to get people to have that, you know, hour of their life where they felt good and felt connected to something. And I think that is what purpose driven like leadership and founders and entrepreneurship really looks like. And I think today, because there's so many entrepreneurs, I love to stress that even more because it's so important that people know that there's a reason, there's a North Star. And if you have that North Star, these decisions, as hard as they are, they actually become pretty easy because it's, it's obvious. It's like when you know where you have to go, you have to climb over that bridge. Did you have any stops along this North Star journey where, where you had to stop and, and, and change completely, like getting people into, can you tell us a few of those stories? Because I, I, I would imagine that there were some things that you were doing that you had either invested a lot of money in, or maybe they were making you money, but they weren't aligned that way. Can you tell us? A few yeah, of those? both of those. I had both of those experiences. Yeah. I mean, we, and we have a ton of them. I mean, we're also going through a global pandemic right now. So I, yeah, we'll it, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like there's, there's never a straight road. And I think that's the other thing is, by the way, if you're not changing, the world changes too. So you have to make sure you continue to adapt. But you know, if I go back to their company, there's, you know, there's two big like pivots that we had as a company. The first one you know, it was really interesting because we spent a year building this beautiful product. It was very similar to Open Table, but for classes. I had raised a million dollars. Like people loved this idea. It it made it made complete sense because it had worked for food. Yeah. We launched a year later, probably spent over half a million dollars building this technology. And it is crickets, meaning no one's going to class. Like there's probably maybe a thousand people kind of browsing. And like every day we're like sitting there hitting refresh. Like it was, <laughs> it was so sad walking into the office those days because we would just, you know, we were like, is the site working? Like, Hey, like, you know, I would ask my, my tech guy, I'd be like, can you just make sure the site's like working? Cause we didn't know what was going on. No one was going to class. And you know, I think that moment was hard because we had, like I said, I had money. We had all this press because we had been in this huge incubator so even though we had earned sort of what I like to call false signals of success, mm. my business was not succeeding. Mm. And that's like a very hard moment to kind of go through. And, but that's when I realized for me, look, I didn't start a company because of, you know, I wanted a pretty website. I started it to get people to class. What is wrong? Pile, you have to do more digging. You need to do more research. You need to go approach this another way. And I still had money in the bank. So that gave me another day to live, another day to sort of work at this problem and so that was like the first big pivot. The second one was more interesting because we actually had people going to class. We had this like other product where people could go and dabble and try classes for 30 days. It was called the Passport. And it was a fun, exciting product. And people, you know, we, we learned a lot from it. We learned how much people love variety. But it was a really bad deal for our partners because people were not returning. And I also would only have a customer for one month, which was not a great business proposition down the line because right. you get every customer, you lose them you know, and you want a lifetime value with a customer. And to be honest, from a mission again, I didn't want to change someone's life for a month. I wanted to really affect their entire lifestyle and keep their passions in their life. So that one was a little bit harder because we had money coming in the door and we had progress on reservations. But I knew when I fast forward the long-term, you know, uh, business strategy and model, it was not going to work. So yeah, we've been here before. I mean, I obviously talk about it very easily now when we were in it, it was hard. I mean, you don't always know which direction to go in your, you know, team, you need to motivate them. They're always like, am 
my team the, the third time was like, wow, why are we changing this again? You know, we just changed it. Like we have something that works, but you just have to keep fighting. And uh, I'm glad we did. So tell me about, I think you brought, you brought up a good point. I've noticed this about myself, even just in the pandemic, like looking back being like, oh, it wasn't that hard. Like, oh, we lost all of our business, but you know, whatever, like you three months ago, whatever it was. So take us back to like one of those, one of those moments where, where you like maybe where you, where it wasn't working. Like, do you remember, were you out with like friends? Were you walking home or you mentioned being with your team? Like, do you remember some of those where you like were yeah. really struggling with that? Um, there's two parts I remember. I mean, I remember a lot of it, but you know, I would say the first time, um, I remember, trying to pitch ClassPass to, well, it wasn't called ClassPass at the time, it was called Classtivity, to investors in Silicon Valley. Okay. Went out there and, um, you know, my advisors were always like, you know, when, when investors are interested in your business, like they're going to call you right after the meeting. And if they don't call you, like they're not interested. And we had 10 meetings and it was, no one was also calling us back. Right. So I remember like feeling the sense of just, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? This business isn't working. And that first time around, like it took me a little bit longer to sort of like step up to be completely honest. Like I remember like the summer went by, it was, we were changing like the button colors on the website thinking like maybe if it was purple, someone would hit buy. Um, so true. Yes. We were, like we were off. And the moment where I knew is we sent out an email to, um, you know, all the email addresses we had. And we basically said like, go to class for free you know, just to see if we could acquire someone and no one went still. And that's like when I think in my mind, I remember like talking to one of my advisors and, you know, he was like, Kyle, like this, you signed up for this. Like, this is your moment. Like, what are you going to do? You know, I had a team on payroll, right? Every day they were working, like we were essentially, you know, spending money. And he was like, you know, you have a mission, like you need to kind of get back up and, and do this. And I remember having that conversation and I walked back into the office the next day and I just remember thinking, you know what, like guys, like let's go split up. Like, let's go think of different ideas. Let's go move and talk to our studio owners and see what they need. And that's sort of like what helped us get to the next product. But I just needed that, like in a way I needed to like kind of fall and hit rock bottom to get right back up. And yeah. um, I think once I did that the first time, like doing the cycle of falling <laughs> and getting back up, just has become a lot quicker. And I think like people are always like, how do you deal with it? And even now it's like, it's not that it doesn't bother me and shake me. I just feel like I know how to like evaluate the situation and let myself sort of get to like, oh my God, this is like not working. And then quickly be like, okay, well, let me not focus on it not working. Let me focus on like what I can learn from it not working to apply to it getting, getting back started. Well, and to remind yourself of the stories of when you were there before, I think about that story of you going in to quit your job and walking in with so much fear that yeah. morning and walking out like on air on later that day, like this. Right. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about this now, right? We are, we are several months in, I don't even know how long it is to a pandemic. Such a big core of your business yep. is in studio classes, which in studio is not a thing. Um, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, like, how's this been? Yeah. I, it's very hard. I mean, we lost close to 95% of our business within a week. You know, most of our studios are shut down. 
obviously can't have anyone going. They've had to hire and or not hire. They've had to fire so many of their employees. You know, they're all worried about rent. Um, we've realized that, you know, one of the things we have to focus on during this time is keeping our partners afloat. So, you know, we've done a few things. We did a partner donation fund where customers can, you know, donate to their studios. And one of the big things that we did is we very quickly, and I'm so proud of my team for being able to do this. Once again, we're used to pivoting overnight. Um, we flipped our entire product for on-demand video and live stream video. And, you know, we now offer 50,000 classes a week of live stream video that people can do at home. And all of that also goes to pay the studio owners because people can just pay and use their credits to do these classes that are happening live. And so this has been a huge part of, you know, how we wanted to pivot our business. We know it's not the same experience as going in person and we can't wait for people to do that again, but that's what we had to do. We just needed to figure out like what tools we had. Once again, we still have the same mission, getting people to move, to be passionate, work out. And so that doesn't change even in the midst of a global pandemic. And I think that is also like what I keep telling my team, what I keep reminding other people of is this is a great moment to go back to your true north. You know, when, just because there's a global pandemic, that doesn't mean your, your true north never changes. How you approach it might, because we're in a different world. So just figure out a new way to keep giving, you know, whatever you set out to, to people. Well, I, I think it's interesting too, that you said at the very beginning of this conversation that you learned Indian dance in, you know, your basement from your, your mom or your, and it's like, oh, that's where, that's where we're learning things now is in, like, I think of all the people that are taking their classes and, and experiencing that joy in their basements or I, yeah. I mean, you don't need to, I mean, of course, like where you are, uh, like your environment, you know, has an impact, but at the end of the day, it's your mind, right? If you can keep your mind engaged into things you love and it doesn't really matter where you're at. So let me ask you, I know that you are also on top of there being a pandemic and it greatly affecting and impacting your business. You are also a new mom. Um, so I don't know if there's any, like, what do you, uh, can you talk to us about that? Because I know, I mean, well, and, and let's, let's, let's walk this all the way back. You're a woman, you're in tech, you're a new mother, you're Indian. Like this is, we have all of these. So let's talk about um, what, the decision to be a founder, this, um, this unicorn status, and now a new mother, what, what's on your mind? I know there, I want to know. Well, it's so interesting as you were just saying all of that, you know, I think uh, it brings back this idea. I mean, and, and obviously like there's so much going on in the world right now. And, you know, when I was younger, I think, you know, being Indian was a very big part of my life in the sense of either I was it was what like made me feel different in a bad way and in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. It was my it was my strength when it came to dance, but it was also stuff that I got made fun of for or I felt different for in a bad way. So it's interesting because I think I built an armor of how do I feel exceptional even though I'm different. And I think I built this mentality my whole life that I was always going to be different and that like I was going to learn to celebrate. I'm also four foot 11. Um, so, no you know, way. yeah, I'm four foot 11 and I've had to walk into a lot of meetings and leave them and, you know, be like the biggest person in the room, you know, and I learned how to do that. I learned how to use my voice. I learned how 
to build my confidence, but it came because I have faced adversity my whole life. And I, and I say that I think everyone has, like, there's no one I know who doesn't feel like, you know, oh my God, I'm a hundred percent in every area. And I've learned to just sort of work that muscle in my mind of turning that into a strength and saying, I'm different, but that's what makes me exceptional in what I do. And, you know, I didn't feel that for a very long time. Obviously it took me to probably till college till I realized like, wow, like I loved being Indian and I'm so proud of my culture and part of, you know, so much of what I've done and even like proud of dance and wanting to share that with like my, like I said, my, all a team of professionals, you know, I think I just learned to be me and realizing that the more I was who I like wanted to be and the more I was confident, that's all that mattered. And that's like what I would tell anyone in terms of, you know, any meeting or situation they're in where they don't feel like they belong, you belong in more, you know? And I think that's, the, those are, that's what we need. That's our, that's how the world's going to grow. That's how the world's going to heal is by that acceptance of the different perspectives and everything that, you know, every single person can add to the world and change the world. So that's what I would say about, you know, just what you were talking about a little bit and, you know, being a mother, I mean, it's, it's so incredible. Cause I think back to like when I was younger and the jobs I had and the women who were leaders and kind of seeing a different perspective. Like I didn't know if they had families or if they had kids or, um, you know, had any passions in their life. And I think for me, I always, in a way, like dance was my baby always. Like I'd always, no matter I was working, like I always found a way to like keep dance in my life. So people are always like, how are you going to fit in like baby and time? I'm like, I was always juggling multiple priorities and things my entire life that I have learned to become so focused and so like anal about my time and I prioritize and I reprioritize and then I schedule and I cancel and I reschedule because that is the only way that I know I'm going to make sure that I'm doing everything that I want in the world. Um, but being a mom has been like such a, a tremendous joy. I mean, my little, my son is like the highlight of my life, obviously. And I think going through a global pandemic and there's just like a lot of negativity. It just, I think turning that into this like beautiful smile that he has sort of makes you kind of forget about what's going on in the world. But obviously, you know, there is a lot of stuff going on that everyone needs to address. To have that, to have that like built in joy right there. And you can't (laughs) smile is just to die for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just a few more questions. What, and this one just came to me because you were talking about being four foot 11, which I didn't know. I'm thinking about the shoes that you must have. Um, (laughs) Even for me, I'm like five, four and I'm thinking I'm always the shortest one around. Can you tell us, I want to know, I've only ever seen, and I think you were talking about that, like the, you know, Shark Tank now has been on the air for, what is it, they're in their 11th season where we're starting to get to see, like that show gave us like the insight of to what like a pitch looks like. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us just like, tell us one story of walking into one of those rooms and having to pitch your business idea? So many. Uh, I mean, I've had to pitch the idea. So many times. I mean, I remember, I think there was this one meeting I had in particular, and this was when ClassPass really started working. Um, I remember, I, you know, you walk into a room, it's by the way, like 90 to 95% male, you know? I mean, I have, there's been pros and there's cons to like those meetings in the sense of um, just, I remember how I felt after, but like, that was always the hard thing is like, I remember having to pitch this like boutique studio craze to a bunch of people who are like in suits and who probably like either, I don't know, like we're going to a spin class or going to the gym. Like they just weren't in my, in my, uh, 
uh, my demographics. So that was just kind of, I remember it's tough. And I, like one thing I, I actually also remember is like, I used to feel really nervous walking into those meetings because I felt like, oh my God, like I, do I know my numbers enough? Like, you know, uh, are they going to question me? Are they going to think I'm smart enough? And I remember them thinking like, I went to MIT, like I know this, this industry better than anyone else. And my numbers speak for themselves, you know? And so I remember having to sort of lean on that. By the time I was like, I don't really care about what you think. Like I'm going to go raise money. I used to walk into these meetings wearing my workout gear and I just didn't care. Like I would go into Lululemon leggings because I just was like, this is my product. This is who I am. I live my company and I am the best person to build this. And that's sort of what is what gave me confidence. Like instead of wearing like a suit to a meeting when like I literally was probably coming from class or going to class, you know, I just wanted to make sure that they knew this is a product that I'm building and there are customers that do this all the time. And I am one of them. Well, and just like you said, it's best to be you, like when in doubt be you, like that is like, don't wear a suit because that's what they're wearing. Exactly. And I think that's like something I learned over time. And, you know, I had kind of come from a whole like banking consulting background. So that was like a little bit of a hardship for me because I remember thinking like, oh my God, I've been in these rooms with these people and, you know, they're all wearing like their business suits. And I just never felt like, once again, being 4'11", like it just never looked right on me. I always felt like I was swimming in these clothes, like it didn't look right. And I don't know, at some point I just was like, I'm wearing my sneakers and my lemon leggings and like, we'll just go with it. And I feel like that's when I shined in meetings because I was me. You know, I like, yeah. I lit up the room because I was lit inside, you know, I was yeah. yeah. I look, I have an old video of me speaking at an event and I had gone to Macy's and picked out a, like a skirt suit and it was, it was like just this big square and it, it was off. like, yeah, I've always like, felt like, <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. It's like, these, I mean, first of all, like they're yeah. not, they're not great. I mean, obviously clothes have changed since then, but right. It's like when you don't feel comfortable in your skin and in your clothes, like how are you going to feel comfortable in that situation? And I think like for me, I had to do everything I, I could to make that room my room, not their room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's such a good. All right. What is um, one of your proudest moments looking back? What do you think? Um, one of those moments where you're like, okay, yeah, we did it. Like this is this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, obviously like for me that, like that reservation number is, is really like the heartbeat for me. And I say that because I remember like jumping for joy the first time someone made a booking on the platform and, you know, every single time we've like hit another milestone of how many reservations, like that to me is, it makes me happy every single time. But when I think like back to a few moments, like one was, I think this is more for my parents. Like, I think they were like, what are you building? Like, what did you quit your job for, for a long time? You know, they couldn't fully understand. And we opened up our big office uh, in Chelsea, um, I think in 2014. And the night before, you know, the team came, it was like all done. Uh, I brought my parents there the night before. And like, we, I think they like looked around and they were like, you're going to employ all these people. Like they just felt like, like I had actually built something, you know, they had obviously seen articles and things like that and seen us sort of like in on top of each other in like our smaller offices, but this was like a legit nice office. And, uh, I can just remember like thinking that they were so proud of me and that was obviously like just a great accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, isn't that funny how you can have all the success in the world and having your parents be proud is just like, there's yeah. just nothing quite like it. Yeah. Um, what's next for you? What's next for class paths? What do we have to, what do we have to look forward to? 
I mean, I think we need to wait out what's going on in the world right now. You know, I think uh, we don't know yet in the sense of how customer behavior is going to change. I think, you know, you will see that we will stay committed to our mission. Um, I think what's really amazing, and we started sort of experimenting with it already, is um, ClassPass, actually, when I started it, was uh, even broader than fitness classes. It had, like, creative classes on there and other experiences. Okay. And so we started launching sort of wellness experiences. So there's, like, massages. There's some beauty in there. Uh, acupuncture, facials, there's all these different types of appointments that people can book using their credits on the platform. So you'll see a lot more of that. Um, we were on a heavy global expansion, uh, you know, going into this year, we got to 30 countries. So, um, you know, once again, we have to reevaluate our business strategy right now based on timing and what's going on in all of our markets. But, you know, we, we're committed to our mission. And that's the number one thing, you know, is making sure that people stay active that, um, and obviously do it in the safest way possible. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, uh, as a lover of studio fitness, it's just been, you know, been and hard. I loved what you it's said. Too. Yeah, it's been so hard. Yeah. I mean, studio- soul cycle yeah. At, um, I do soul cycle at East 83rd. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And like, um, one day after, you know, after the studio had closed and everything it shut down, um, I was out like running through, Central Park running. I use that term lightly. Uh, I was <laughs> moving faster than a walk, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And I walked by one of the guys that I would sometimes see at class. And it's not like we were close or anything. And I almost started crying just because, like, to see. I, I think that's the. I think that's the other thing. You know, it's that. It's that community. It's that. You miss um, it. Yeah. Yeah. I so, feel like one hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think like we miss connection. I mean, I actually was thinking about this, about being a mom. Like I've not had the experience of anyone being like, oh, is that your baby? Like, you know, aside from like who I live with, like there's a part of me that I'm like, I feel like a mom because I've like posted a photo of him or FaceTime people, but I've not had that experience. You know, when you're in a coffee shop and someone's like, oh, your son's so cute. Or I've just not had that experience. I'm like, wow, like when will I be able to show him to the world in a, in a real way? So I think everyone is feeling and that loss of, connection in some way and even like working out with people just motivates you more I mean I mean yeah. it's great. my husband my husband's lost 20 pounds through this like it's it's like incredible and I think it's like we even try and schedule like literally he sends me calendar invites for family workout because we just need to feel like well, there's somebody else working out you know with us it's yeah. like this idea of just being there and like feeling like okay you're gonna do push-ups great I'm gonna do this workout and you know and share a little in it he lost 20 pounds in quarantine. I don't think I like your husband. I'm very <laughs> irritated with him. I'm just kidding. No, it's like the not traveling and the, you know, yeah. to, like be cautious about what you're eating and all of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of him. I know. That's incredible. My husband too, actually, now that I think about it, I think he's lost like seven pounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh well, Kyle, I just have to say this was, I've been looking forward to this ever since um, you said yes to joining us and we will, we will look forward to the articles that come out and the news gets, that gets published about your successful pivots and um, future into this new world. Thank you so much for sharing you your story. Nice talking to you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at kindrahall.com or on Instagram at kindrahall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time. Until next time.